Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. I absolutely love Babbel because their courses help me learn real-life conversational skills. It's so easy to learn how to order food, ask for directions, speak to the locals without having to consult language apps. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time offer for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners, at babbel.com SPP. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com SPP. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash SPP. Rules and restrictions may apply. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, baby. Welcome to the Smart People Podcast. Sit back, grab a drink, tune in your brain. Ask not what your country can do for you. This nation will rise up. Smart people of the world unite. This is Smart People Podcast. I am Chris Stemp. Alongside me, Mr. Rojas. How you guys doing? All right, everybody. We're really excited to bring you this interview today. It's going to be incredible. Our guest today actually has reason to believe that the first person to live to a thousand years old is alive today, and it's quite possible he's between the ages of 40 and 50. Can't wait to share it with you. All right, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves here. I first wanted to remind everybody to go to our website, www.smartpeoplepodcast.com. In the lower left corner of the site, you'll notice an Amazon.com search widget. By clicking on this widget, it'll send you to Amazon.com, and anything that you purchase while on the site will help benefit the podcast. To the right of the Amazon search widget, you'll notice the donation button. If you're in the spirit of giving, please feel free to donate money to our podcast to help keep it up and running. I wanted to thank everybody for reaching out and giving suggestions on our website, as well as participating in the listener segment on our show. Also, a huge thank you to everybody who's been downloading our show. We just recently reached 100,000 downloads. Please stay tuned to the end of the show for another great listener segment. Please stay tuned to the end of the show for another great listener segment.
All right. Sorry about that, Chris. Go ahead and finish up about the guest. I love making you do the boring stuff. As I was saying, our guest today is Aubrey DeGray, and he is probably the leading advocate for anti-aging in the country. He's been trying to get the word out on anti-aging for over a decade now. He's been featured on 60 Minutes, BBC, New York Times, Fortune Magazine, Popular Science, and my personal favorite, The Colbert Report. And basically, what he believes is that we have the knowledge needed today to begin reversing aging. I'm going to let him discuss it in more detail. He can do it much more eloquently than I can. It's super interesting. We learned a lot. I want to let you guys know that it's a controversial subject. Not everybody subscribes to it. Not everybody believes in it. But there was a recent debate done at MIT. They listened to a bunch of challengers, none of which were able to convince the judges that the claims that Aubrey was making were unworthy of consideration. We're glad to have him on the show. We're glad to share this with you and let you make your own decisions. I think you'll enjoy what he has to say. Also, when you're done listening to this episode, please go to our uh, website at smartpeoplepodcast.com. We're going to have some videos of Aubrey, some other interviews that he's done. We're going to have links to his foundation, which is the SENS Foundation. And you also need to check out his beard because it's pretty fierce. So hope you enjoy it. First, we just wanted to get an idea of exactly what it is that you're doing and your research with the, the SENS and everything and just kind of give us an overview. Sure, that's pretty easy. So SENS Foundation is a charity. It's registered in the USA in California. And um, we're focused on combating aging. But in particular, we are focused on a particular approach to combating aging that arises from the work that I've been doing over the past decade or more, which is to apply regenerative medicine to the problem. So when most people think about combating aging, they think either about the diseases of old age, they think about treating the diseases, the disabilities and the ill health of old age in the same way that we treat infectious diseases or whatever. Alternatively, they think about aging as a lifelong process that eventually leads to those diseases, but they think about somehow slowing it down. Now, both of those approaches make some degree of sense, but neither of them is really good enough. First of all, if we look at the approach of treating the diseases of old age, we can see that we have actually not really got very far. And actually, if you look at the details of what we know about these diseases, that's not surprising. We are not in any real prospect of getting to a point of treating the diseases of old age in, to, to anything like the same degree of effectiveness that we have for typical infectious diseases like you know, tuberculosis or whatever. So that's one approach, but it's not really working. Now, the approach of slowing aging down makes sense in principle, but it's also not going very well. First of all, it's incredibly difficult to do because it involves manipulating, you know, rearranging, redesigning uh, metabolism, which you know, we just don't have the knowledge for yet by a long, long way. But also, even worse than that, even if we did have that knowledge, the fact is that all it would do would be to slow things down. What I mean is, if you're already in middle age or older, then those sorts of treatments would simply keep you that way. 
get you in a state of diminished health um, relative to how we are as young adults rather than fixing you up the way that medicine is supposed to do. So the approach that Sense Foundation is pioneering and pursuing is to actually repair the damage of old age, not to start with the diseases of old age when people are already suffering, but to attack the lifelong accumulating damage that we that causes these diseases to emerge at all. And we feel that this is an area that's been neglected. There are some aspects of it that are being explored well, but there are lots of them that people have just ignored, largely because they haven't really seen how to go about the question. And so really the breakthrough that I made a decade ago that has led to Sense Foundation and to all the work we do is to understand that actually all of the various types of damage that accumulate to our life are, at least potentially, amenable to repair by regenerative medicine. Is this tied to the human genome, or is this because of stem cell research? What kind of technologies are you guys trying to incorporate to do this research? Well, most of the major areas of current biomedical technology are potentially relevant to this. Certainly stem cell research and stem cell therapy is extremely relevant because one of the seven types of damage that accumulate throughout life is the loss of cells, the death of cells not compensated by the division of other cells. And stem cell therapy is basically all about fixing that problem. Now, most stem cell therapy is focused on fixing that problem in the context of acute disease happening at any age, but it's absolutely just as applicable to aging. And in fact, there are certain major areas of aging which are particularly characterized by this problem. Parkinson's disease is a great example of it because Parkinson's disease is caused by the death of a particular type of neuron in a particular part of the brain called the substantia nigra. And there are already clinical trials going on, putting stem cells into that area of the brain to replace the cells that are missing and thereby solve the problem. Okay. Um, now, when you mention the genome, um, a lot of people think about the genome as you know, the source of information to lead to personalized medicine, and that's very true. But actually, the medicine that we're talking about doesn't have all that big a personalized component. Essentially, what we're going to be doing is developing things that can be applied to everybody, and we know they're going to work, whatever the genome of the person has. But I don't want to belittle personalized medicine and genomics because it's certainly very important to be able to understand what any particular person's vulnerabilities are so as to understand where to be more aggressive and less aggressive in the treatment. You mentioned the, the seven signs of aging, or, and I know it goes a little in-depth, but could you kind of explain your idea behind that and where that came from? Sure. Ultimately, the reason why the diseases of old age are diseases of old age is because they are the later stages, they are aspects of the later stages of a process that goes on throughout life. You know, if that were not true, then those same diseases would hit people early in life as well, and they don't. So the question then is, what is that process that happens throughout life? What is the change that happens 
to people that gradually diminishes their remaining life expectancy? And the answer turns out to be relatively well understood at this point. If we look at what we know about how the body changes throughout life, we can actually point to particular things that change. And that spectrum, that, that list of things that change, hasn't really changed very much in recent years. So what I was able to do about a, about a decade ago was to, I, to classify these things, to identify the possibility that we could actually categorize these various types of damage into seven major classes such that we could actually identify ways to fix this type of damage. So I mentioned one class already, namely the loss of cells where cells die and they are not automatically replaced by the division of other cells. That's one of the seven categories. Um, another one is the, loss, the, the overabundance of cells, where cells um, just get to be too numerous because they're not dying when they are supposed to. There are certain types of cells which are supposed to be turned over to die and be replaced by other cells. And sometimes those cells get into a state where they don't die when they ought to. This is important in a few aspects of aging, one of them being the decline of the immune system. Now, there's a third type of damage, which is also uh, uh, characterized by the overabundance of cells. But in this case, it's not the failure of cells to die. It's the over-proliferation of cells, the undue tendency of cells to divide when they shouldn't be dividing. And that, of course, is what cancer is. So that's definitely an aspect of aging that we need to fix. Number four in the list of types of damage is mutations in a particular part of the cell called the mitochondrion. So the mitochondrion is this special part of the cell that does the chemistry of breathing. It does the chemical combination of oxygen with nutrients that we take in the diet to extract energy from those nutrients. And the mitochondrion is very special because it has its own DNA that's separate from the DNA in our nucleus. And the mitochondrial DNA accumulates mutations much, much more quickly than the nuclear DNA. And those, you know, there's lots of reasons why we believe that those mutations really matter during aging. So we'd like to fix that problem. The fifth type of damage, number five, is the accumulation of garbage, molecular garbage. So what I mean here is molecular byproducts of normal, essential, intrinsic, metabolic processes byproducts that, for whatever reason, the cell does not know how to destroy nor to excrete. So those byproducts simply accumulate in the cell. And they accumulate really slowly, so they don't get in the way for a long, long time, but eventually they do, because they're just getting too abundant. So we need to get rid of that stuff. Number six is the accumulation of garbage again, but in this case, not inside the cell, but rather outside the cell, in the spaces between cells. This turns out to be important in a few areas of aging, such as Alzheimer's disease, and just as for junk inside the cell, we need to get rid of it. Um, and the final one, number seven, is again outside the cell, but this case, in this case it's not the accumulation of garbage, it's actually the chemical modification of stuff that we want. So. In the spaces between cells, there are proteins that are laid down in a network called the extracellular matrix. And that network is how we end up having the particular shape that particular organs do. 
holding things together and making them respond to physical and biophysical stimuli appropriately. In particular, there are certain areas of the extracellular matrix that need to be very elastic in order to work. The artery wall is a big example. And that elasticity is diminished over time. So we need to fix that. We need to re we need to restore the elasticity of the extracellular matrix. Okay. Okay, so those those are the seven things. Is it still in a theoretical stage or are you kind of solving those issues, those seven issues one by one at this point? Oh well, I mean I don't think any of it can really be called theory. That's okay. really the wrong word to use. Okay. You know, you don't use that word. You use that, that's the sort of word that you use in, in basic science when we're trying to discover things and trying to test hypotheses. This is not science we're talking about here. It's technology, and that's very different. You know, medicine is a medicine is a branch of technology, not a branch of science. What we're trying to do is use existing knowledge, and yes, to some extent, extend existing knowledge. But fundamentally, we're trying to use existing knowledge for the benefit of mankind. The best way to answer your question is to say, well, actually, what we're doing is we are taking these various concepts forward using the knowledge that has been developed by basic science in order to develop the technologies that will be able to translate those basic science areas of expertise into medicine. Okay. So to answer that question, it's going very nicely. The areas that are going best are not the ones that Sense Foundation is following, and that's on purpose, because we are a small foundation. We are interested in making as much difference as we can with the small amount of resources that we have. So we are very much um, prioritizing the areas that are not being prioritized by other people and that are, if you like, in danger of lagging behind. We want them to catch up. The areas that are doing best are the areas that are being funded well by other people. So I mentioned the um, accumulation of extracellular garbage, molecular junk outside the cell. Now, that's an area which is important in a number of different aspects of aging, but Alzheimer's disease is probably the most conspicuous. And a particular approach to dealing with that problem, which involves the immune system, was demonstrated in mice about 11 years ago. And in that short time, it's moved from the laboratory into the clinic all the way up to phase three clinical trials wow. in the last stage before clinical approval. So that's going very nicely. Now, stem cell therapy is another example. There are a lot of different areas of aging in which cells die and they're not automatically replaced. And a number of those areas are being investigated very aggressively by people who work with stem cells for the purpose of replacing those cells. And as you may have heard, there are a number of clinical trials already going on, especially with adult stem cells, but actually a couple of trials are now beginning with embryonic stem cells to actually address the problem of um, cell loss. In respect of aging, I mentioned Parkinson's disease as a particularly important example, and Parkinson's disease turns out to be one of the areas in which stem cells are potentially valuable. And there are, again, clinical trials going on already trying to treat Parkinson's disease by replacing the cells that are dying and not being automatically replaced. I think I remember earlier in the conversation you were talking about metabolism, which instantly made me think, you know, nutrition and, and what we eat, what goes into our diets. Is there anything that you guys have done in terms of research that 
you know, can be immediately applied to people's diets nowadays, which will help them lead a, a longer, healthier life? So I wish I could say yes, but unfortunately, <laughs> what we do is not that. Okay. There are things you can do that will perhaps help you to avoid any particular genetic or environmental shortcomings that you may have. But at the moment, the overwhelming evidence is that if you're already relatively normal and likely to live to the age of 80 without too much trouble, then there's pretty much nothing we can currently do for you. Oh, wow. I'm afraid. <laughs> therefore, therefore, what we need to do is simply hasten the development of new therapies that don't yet exist that will be able to do something for you. How far out do you think we are from seeing real implementation of what you're learning at the Sense Foundation? I mean, right. Well, know. that depends very much on everybody else. You know, because a lot of the work that needs to be done is not being done nearly as fast as it could be because there's not enough money to, to, to support it. At the moment, there's simply not enough appreciation of the potential of regenerative medicine to combat aging. We need to fix that. I'm hoping that we're only 20 or so years away from getting this really to be working properly and less than 10 years away from what we might call proof of concept in the laboratory. In other words, getting mice to live a lot longer in a healthy state, of course, than they they naturally would. To my mind, that's what matters most. We need that proof of concept. Once we've got that, game over. You know, everyone's going to know that it's only a matter of time before we can do it with humans, and money will be no object. What really matters, the real focus needs to be on this early stage, these next few years, to actually get the basic technologies working in the laboratory, in mice, so that we can demonstrate that regenerative medicine can work against aging. How long do you imagine we should be able to live given these technologies? If there should absolutely, there's absolutely no reason to suppose any particular limit on how long people can live in the context of really comprehensive regenerative medicine against aging. The way to look at that question is to look at how we currently get simple man-made machines to live. Because after all, the body is still a machine. It's a very complicated one, but it's still a machine, right? Right. So if we look at cars or airplanes, you know, there are cars that date from not long after cars were invented. that are still working just as well as they were when they were built. And the reason for that is because they've been well looked after. So that shows us that, that, that simple man-made machines can work as long as we like. Now, indefinitely, just as long as we maintain them comprehensively enough. And I think the same is definitely going to be true for the human body. So, but the real thing I want to point out is that we should not be thinking about the longevity aspect. All that we should be thinking about is the health aspect, the fact that nobody wants to get Alzheimer's disease, nobody wants to get cancer and atherosclerosis and so on. And that's what these therapies are designed to, to bring about, the avoidance of those diseases, however long you live. If we can do that then obviously we've done a good thing. And, you know, there will be this side benefit that people will probably live a lot longer as well. But that's a side effect. Okay. What do you suspect the, and maybe you're not concerned with it as much, but kind of the economics behind if you were to have people living for... Oh, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm certainly concerned about that. Okay. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, my job consists not only of doing and orchestrating the science, but also orchestrating the attitude to the science, the public opinion of the science. Oh, true. So I definitely regard it as my job. Um, economically, the situation is very, very clear. 
the fact is, at the moment, we have an enormous problem, not just in terms of suffering, but also in terms of economics. Get the, 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 the sickness of the elderly, the incapacity of the elderly is incredibly expensive. I mean, just unbelievably expensive. The enormous majority of our healthcare budget in the U.S. or in Canada or anywhere else goes on treating the elderly. Now, if we can develop preventative medicine that stops people from getting sick when they get old, we will be saving all that money. I mean, obviously, we'll be spending some of that money on the medicine that prevents people from getting old, but there is no way that that would outweigh the money we save. Plus, also, of course, we've got to think about the amount of money that we are spending today in terms of the reduced productivity of the loved ones of the elderly, the people who are you know, spending their time uh, looking after their parents or whatever when they could be contributing wealth to society. Sure. You know, and, and, and so many other aspects of the cost of this. So, you know, basically, we are in a situation where when these therapies become foreseeable, it will become economically suicidal for any country not to make them available to everybody, free at the point of delivery, hmm. irrespective of the ability to pay and irrespective of the, um, you know, how, how tax-averse the country is. Right. What about in terms of population control? Right. So w this comes up a lot. People, are very t people get terribly worried about the idea <laughs> that we might end up with too many people because people aren't dying when they ought to. Right. In some sense. Right. And first of all, I want to say... This is a ridiculous idea <laughs> from a purely mathematical perspective because, let's face it, people only get older one year per year, and already we have more than twice as many people being born every day as are dying every day. So, you know, we've, we've, got, we've got a fairly straightforward solution to the problem of overpopulation, namely lowering the birth rate. Um, but more to the point... More, 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 perhaps more, more cogently, we can say, well, okay, hang on. We're, as I said earlier, we're talking about health. Hands up anyone who wants Alzheimer's disease. Hands <laughs> up anyone who would like to die in order to benefit the overpopulation problem of the future. The fact is that's not how things work. We actually don't fancy the idea of getting sick. And we will make the choices that are necessary in the context of future technology, of course, to allow people to benefit from therapies that keep them healthy, because ultimately health matters more to people than anything else. You know, I was wondering, when I asked that question, I was wondering, how can he answer this in a way that I'm going to believe him? But I, you pretty much did. I don't want to get sick, and I would sacrifice having four kids, you know, versus one or two in order to everyone lead a healthier life, you know? Uh, personally, I've been affected by you know somebody in the family that's had both cancer and alzheimer and going through that and seeing what happens to you know everybody in the family not just the person suffering from it ha having a world where you know we don't have to worry about those two diseases would be absolutely amazing yes it would um i guess lastly i just wanted to ask you know is there anything that stands out in your in your research in your mind in the in the works you know the books that you write that you wanted to pass along to everyone um, I think I've pretty much done it. The main thing I wanted to get across is to get people out of the fixation that they often have in, re in relation to my work, that it's all about immortality, you know, it's all about longevity. 
the fact is, I really need to get across the fact that it's all about health and that the longevity aspect is, yeah, it's great, but it's a side benefit. And if we focus on that, then we can understand that all, we can keep a sense of proportion about all of the potential social or you know, philosophical or theological or economic issues that may arise as a result of changes in population structure or whatever. The fact is, we need to keep those things in the context and keep them, um, you know, keep a sense of proportion about them in relation to the problem that we're seeking to solve, namely the problem of people getting sick when they get old, which is quite a big problem. That's the fundamental thing I want to get across to your audience. After reading your book and talking with you, I can promise you that you will have a donation from our podcast. We don't have much money, but I totally support it. And so I also want to urge our listeners to do so. If you could please tell them about your book and your foundation and how to help out, um, we'd like to pass that information along. Well, thank you very much for that. No yeah, problem. I wrote a book a few years ago. It's called Ending Aging. You can get it on Amazon. It's not very expensive get the paperback edition because it has an additional chapter in it that covers the work that was done in the 12 months between the two editions. In terms of supporting our foundation, yeah, we have a website, sense.org, S-E-N-S dot org, and you can certainly give us money there. We would be very grateful for it. That money is being used to support the absolutely time-critical research, the research that's not being done elsewhere that we believe is absolutely essential to developing the panel of interventions that will eventually be able to reverse aging, to actually apply regenerative medicine to the problem of aging. All right. Um, Aubrey, uh, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Best of luck with this in the future. I know everyone's future is depending on it. <laughs> thank you very much. All right. Thanks. Good night. Have a good night. So I think it's interesting when you listen to Aubrey speak and you listen to his beliefs. I think everybody hopes that these things come sooner rather than later. And even I'm not that old, but aging is, is a difficult thing. You wake up in the morning and different things crack and make noises. And it'd be nice if you could always feel like you did, you know, when you were in your mid-20s or maybe younger than that. I also did want to say that we, as soon as we interviewed Aubrey, we went on the website, which is the SENS Foundation, as he mentioned, and we made a small $50 donation just because working towards curing these diseases and, and living healthier lives is something that I believe everybody can get behind. So we just wanted to, to put it out there and let you guys decide for yourself. You can go ahead and leave a comment on the post at smartpeoplepodcast.com or head over to our Facebook fan page, the discussion board. We've started a discussion about Aubrey in this interview, and we'd love to hear what you guys think. Also, given the new format of the show, we're going to be wrapping things up with the listener segment. This is where we allow you guys to contact us via our website, and you can come on and speak about whatever you want to, whatever you want to let the world know. Today we have on Jesse from Maryland. I think you guys will find it very interesting. It's actually really well done and well thought out, and we enjoyed speaking with him. So uh, here's Jesse. Today, we were contacted by one of our listeners. We're really excited to hear what he has to say and uh, open the floor up to him. So, Jesse, how you doing today? Hey, how's it going, guys? It's going good, going thanks, good. Uh, yeah, thanks so much for having me. I think it's really cool what you guys are doing, letting people uh, 
talk on your podcast. Well, thanks for being on the show, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Actually, if it's okay with you guys, I, I went ahead and just, you know, wrote something down. Uh, just try to get all my thoughts out. Yeah, bring it on. All right. Well, here goes nothing. Uh, I've come to think it's very important to reflect on those experiences which seemingly force us into a higher state of consciousness. I appreciate the opportunity to share a few of such experiences with you now. I remember viewing my cousin's body, which was only one year older than mine at the time of his death. To see that the 21-year-old face of my cousin, which was so similar to my own, had become eternally incapable of expressing emotion was awakening more than anything else. A mouth that was no longer able to speak, ears that had lost their listener, eyes that would no longer see or be seen again. I remember driving down the highway with my sister on a beautiful sunny day in Colorado. A man on a motorcycle slowly passed by the passenger window I was looking out. Moments later, my sister gasped, which prompted me to look frontwards with alarm. Somehow I had received a front row seat for the end portion of the motorcyclist's last ride. The SUV directly in front of us was being cut off by another vehicle, causing the driver of the SUV to swerve violently into the right lane in which the motorcyclist was traveling. It was as if a giant wave swallowed him whole. A human being, helplessly tossed and smashed, trapped between unyielding pavement and thousands of pounds of speeding metal. Of course, we needn't stay so somber. Uh, I can also recollect the first time I saw the woman that I would eventually marry. I can remember the first time I listened to the brilliant Christopher Hitchens debate or read the cogent reasoning of Sam Harris. I can remember being fascinated as I watched my first Satoshi Kon movie or listened to my first Beatles album. I mean, have you ever heard Carl Sagan speak about our universe? I can't imagine who I would be without these moments and people in my life, and I would imagine you feel very similarly when it comes to the special moments and people in yours. That's really all I have written, but I guess I just want to say that uh, when, I, when I think about the, the questions that are important to me, you know, when I ask myself who I want to be, where I want to live, who I want to be with, what I want to do, you know, I kind of draw from these experiences. Um, I think it's really important to kind of face reality, and what better way to face reality than, than to stare at it, you know, to see my cousin in that casket, and to know that I'll, I'll be there one day. It really does something to you. You know, I think one of the things that you're, you know, a reason that your podcast is so awesome is because, uh, you know, you are sharing and you're getting people to think and offering a lot of different experience and perspectives and knowledge that, you know, there's no way that I'd be able to, you know, talk to the doctors you've talked to if it weren't for your podcast. And I just think it's really important for people to to share, you know, in, in any way that they can. Yeah. And, and I think though, honestly, I think that's what a lot of the podcast is about. It's, it's literally sharing information from people who have experienced it because you learn from your experiences, but these people can try to help you out. We don't all have the same experiences. That's what I'm saying. And so we want to talk to people who have different experiences to try to, to come together under the best conclusions. Yeah. Yeah, And ritualize. And that's what the, that's what the listener segment is. That's what the main segment is. I'm just really excited. I hope uh, I hope your podcast continues to do do what you're doing. We really appreciate you being on the show today and sharing your insights and your experiences with us. You know, hope you like it. And if you have future comments, let us know. We'd like to let everybody know that we will be doing this listener segment every every episode we have. If you'd like to be on it, or if you just have suggestions for the show, please go to our website at www.smartpeoplepodcast.com. 
and there's a contact us section in the top and uh, just shoot us a little note and um, you know we'll let you know yeah and also feel free to engage us on twitter at smart people pod and also on facebook we continuously love hearing from fans of the show and you know we're not above responding and engaging in meaningful conversation well thanks so much guys So I hope you guys are getting a better idea of what the listener segment's all about. Again, if you want to be part of this, please go to the website, smartpeoplepodcast.com. Go to the Contact Us tab, which is up at the top, and just write us a quick note and send it to us. While you're there, don't forget the Amazon link at the bottom of the page. As always, we'd like to thank the outdoors for the music provided on the podcast. You can actually find their newly released EP on their Facebook fan page. Just search for The Outdoors on Facebook. While you're on Facebook, remember to like them because they will be releasing a free digital download of their EP to everybody who likes them on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to the show. Tune in this time next week. is a subliminal message. <laughs> Give us your money. All of your shekels and loonies. Can we put this in the end again? Yeah.